You're listening to the TV Suit Podcast. Tonight we'll be going over episodes 11 and 12 of Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix on the Drink 5 Network. Did you say episodes 3 and 4? No, episodes 11 and 12. Of course, of course. I don't mess up anything ever, Dave. Surely that has nothing to do with this wonderful scotch that we're drinking. That we're about to drink. Let's drink it. What is that scotch, sir? This is the Lafroig Quarter Cask. Oh, it's so smooth. Ah, I recently got my cousin a bottle of the Lafroig Tenure it's uh, a classic. for graduating law school. It's a classy gift. I figure that that's the kind of thing that a lawyer needs to have a bottle of scotch laying around. Oh, of course. I mean, if Better Call Saul has taught us anything, you know, uh, a lot of the uh, of the better, more affluent lawyers have a whole bar on their hands. If Mad Men has taught us anything, it's that you must drink in order to get things done in the workplace. If L.A. Law has taught us anything, never mind. <laughs> it hasn't taught us anything. If Game of Thrones has taught us anything, it's <laughs> that the worst thing will always happen. Yes. See, I'm going with that last one. That's fine. But we are here to discuss Daredevil, uh, the latest series on Netflix, uh, brought to you by Marvel, and they have done a fantastic job so far. We are on Season 1, Episode 11 and 12. We'll discuss, oh, we're so close to the end. We'll discuss them in turn. The first one is called The Path of the Righteous. Um, and we are, uh, it is only 13 episodes, which means that the 13th episode is uh, able for us to be watched as soon as we finish this broadcast. So pardon if... Uh, if uh, if we get out early to watch it. If this podcast <laughs> is only three minutes long so that we can watch the... I'm just going to turn four. it on here in a little window on my computer. <laughs> Don't mind the sound effects that come through. If you can't tell, we like the show. Uh, it, it is a pretty fantastic program. And the good stuff about Daredevil very much outweighs any of the bad. Very true. <laughs> I mean, um, there, there's not much to be said that's very bad about the show, I suppose. I did have a few complaints about some of the characters in the uh, flashbacks, but flashbacks themselves I generally like, so I, I can live with that. Well, I'm glad you can live with that. I'll, I'll live. That's very nice of you. Yeah. <laughs> that's very nice of me. Yes, indeed. Well, I'll tell you what. So when we first start off in The Path of the Righteous, which is uh, episode 11 of Daredevil, we are brought back to what happened in the past episode. In episode 10, uh, we see that Fisk and his girlfriend are at this sort of engagement, this fundraiser kind of benefit thing. Right. And uh, they're handing out drinks, and it's just getting started, this soiree. And as soon as people start drinking, well, they start passing out and frothing at the mouth. And so Vanessa was one of those people that did drink uh, the concoction, and Fisk was not. The poison drink. And so we start off this episode in the hospital, and she's been unconscious for 20 minutes, brought into the hospital. Fisk and, and company sort of barge into the door and immediately take control of the situation and say, I don't care if that man has his uh, leg about to be amputated. We need to treat <laughs> this one. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, the thing that really bugs me is is his sense of uh, importance, his sense of self-importance. His sense of entitlement. Right. He goes in and says, don't you know who I am? 
Man. I love the nurse. The little tiny nurse is able to stand up to him in this moment. And, like, she's used to doing this all the time, probably, saying, it doesn't matter who you are. Get the hell out of my way. Yeah, I do kind of like that because it brings us back more into reality. Because, you know, in a hospital, probably things like this happen all the time where everyone thinks they're more important than everyone else. Right. But in a hospital, if you're a nurse or a doctor and you're not being paid off by someone, then you don't really give a shit uh, how important someone thinks they are. Exactly. Like, they're going to help her because she needs help. That's why they're helping her. They're not helping her because she's Fisk's, you know, girlfriend. And it's interesting to see this, like, the this guy who is clearly the arch enemy, the bad guy in our series, is just helpless in a hospital, worried about the woman he cares for. That's all that he does. Right. So let's put ourselves in the mindset of a, of a viewer who, obviously, we are not anymore because we've seen both of these episodes. But at this point in the episode, for example... Uh, you're watching and you're seeing his emotions just sort of be splayed uh, about himself. And what would happen to Fisk if if Vanessa died because he thought someone was trying to kill him? What, what would Fisk do? I would imagine that he would lash out uh, sort of blindly, kind of like seeking revenge. And that's exactly what he wants to do. The You know, he... He's almost smiling when he's telling her that the people who did this will suffer. Um, you know, he really wants to be violent against somebody. That's sort of his thing, I guess. Yeah, so he suggests that, that she be sent away if she recovers so she doesn't have to be in danger any longer, but he still wants her to be around because he thinks in his head one of two things, and I'm not sure which one it is. One is he's going to finish whatever it is that he's planning on doing here in Hell's Kitchen, and then he'll be able to go do whatever he wants with Vanessa. The second possibility is that he knows that like he's going to sort of implode here and he doesn't want her to be around because people are going to be trying to kill him. He's going to be uh, involved in all these situations. Now, I would think Fisk, based on all I know hmm. of him, doesn't think that he is going to self-destruct. Right. I, I just think that there's a third option here. And it uh, like a lot of these really quality shows will mirror... Uh, attributes in the heroes and the villains right so one of the things that matt has been trying to do is push all of the people out of his life that's what stick taught him to do you know anybody you care about you need to get rid of them because they can be a weakness to you and that's sort of what fisk is seeing is that you know he doesn't want anyone to know that uh his mother is alive he doesn't want anyone to know any of his weaknesses because they can be used against him so if his weakness is long away then it can't be used against him but but he needs Vanessa near him because if Vanessa's not near him, then he is a totally broken and, and disparate man. He's only, you're, he's you're only right. found himself you're now. Right. And he maybe doesn't I mean, realize that. I mean, they can Skype. But Vanessa does. Vanessa realizes that you know he needs her and she wants to be there by his side. Uh, but he may think that you know, it's more of a, uh, you know, an exchange. You know, I, I will have to learn to live without her in exchange for knowing that she's safe. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, another group of people. So we've got Matt and Karen. Karen finds Matt sort of uh, laying there, battered and bruised, in his apartment after banging on the door. Uh, she brought him a nice balloon with a monkey on it. <laughs> yes, she did. Uh, he thinks that, uh, or she thinks that he may not be telling the truth. Because she's had enough of this, like, you know, walking into uh, him, walking into the office and having cuts on him. And she doesn't believe that he's I just fell down constantly... the stairs, guys, for real. 
Yeah, that he's constantly in these accidents, and it's not something that she finds believable anymore, which is good for her, I mean, because it's not believable. She's sort of starting to see through him, but she doesn't really realize what that means. Um, Matt learns that Fisk killed his father when he was 12 because Karen uh, is telling him all about the discovery that she and Ben had. Right. When in they the met. previous episode, they talked to Fisk's mother, and she basically told him what happened. Mm-hmm. And... Both Claire and Karen are telling Matt to be more careful. Um, This has happened throughout every single episode. But his injuries are showing more and more, and he keeps getting more and more beat up on the brink of death. And it's becoming more difficult to hide everything he does from the people that he associates with during the day. So they're kind of getting to this point where uh, he has to reveal what's going on or, or just completely push everyone out of his life. Yes, and that's... Uh, the avenue that Stick is sort of telling him to take, which is you need to get everyone out of your life. You don't have to answer qu- to anybody. Well, he's not telling him. He told him many, many years ago. And he told him again when he recently visited. And every time he sees him, right. he's like, you need to abandon everything and come and, and go with me to whatever it is this uh, this battle is that we're going to have. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, he is. He's alluding to a specific battle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is, but... And even, like, the weirdest thing from that previous episode, it was probably, like, seven or eight or something, where that's the stick episode. At the very end, and we see, like, I don't know if it's after the credits or if it's right before the credits roll, where Stick is is then asking uh, his companion, who's this big, like, burly guy with scars all up and down him. Right. He's like, is Ben ready? Is Matt going to be Matt ready? ready? And he's like, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> he's like, shit, I don't know. Yeah. In typical Kevin Garvey senior manner. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that there's definitely something huge behind all of this. And we may not learn what all that is until uh, either season two or until we get Iron Fist, which I think is going to be the next uh, in this series of shows. Or is it going to be a.k.a. Jessica Jones? Uh, I'm not sure what the timeline is. But okay. it doesn't really matter because from this point on... Uh, and we haven't seen the finale yet for Daredevil, but from this point on, we can expect uh, all of the Marvel universes to weave in and out of each other. Sure. Because I've already seen, you know, and, and spoiler alert, I suppose, but you know, Agents of Shield and and Avengers and like uh, Agent Carter and like all of these different shows have already joined up to each other. Mm-hmm. And Daredevil is not; he's not directly related to the Avengers. So he's a little right. bit farther away from these people that are Captain America and you know uh, you know all these characters that are are more often seen on the main screen. However, I think in all of these programs, regardless of how big or small they are related to the Marvel Universe, we're still going to get a little bit of that crossover because you know why would you have it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe if you're not going to use it? Right, and there's always little uh, Easter eggs and pepperings like yeah. in Ben Urich's office. There's a lot of headlines about, you know, the battle at New York and the Hulk and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, big big stories that Ben has written about all those things. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you go into a little bit about uh, Karen and Ben, which is a big part of this episode? Uh, yeah. So, you know, Karen, having discovered that uh, Fisk killed her his father, thinks that it just needs to be screamed from the rooftops. That, you know, the the only logical move at this point to her is to tell as many people about this as possible. Mm-hmm. And everyone around her is sort of saying, look, 
that's not going to do anything. In fact, you know, Ben lays out a very, you know, probable uh, series of events in which doing this would actually help Fisk, and he would be able to spin it in order to uh, be seen as a sympathetic figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really think that you know she means well, obviously, but she's unable not not that she doesn't take the time to look into it she is unable to see the consequences of the things that she wants to do right now she is totally blinded by uh wanting revenge on union allied um you know wanting to revenge you know avenge the people who put her in that crazy ass situation that started the whole series yeah I mean, you can imagine uh we don't know a whole lot about karen's uh upbringing or her life before this but we do know that, that we meet her uh, clutching a knife covered in blood with someone dead beneath her that was a co-worker that she didn't even really know very well. So, I mean, to be put in that situation by someone in a place of power, uh, if you have any opportunity to unseat that person, that's all you're going to be trying to do. Exactly. Either that or run away. It's one of those two. Right, and she definitely ch- did not choose the run away option. No. You know, she even wanted to fight against the Union Allied offer of a contract to keep her quiet. So Ben lets Karen know that, you know, he thinks that, that, that the drinks may have been poisoned uh, at this benefit. And she didn't know that because this kind of information hasn't been released to the public. Right. They're spinning that story, too. Yeah, like food poisoning or something like that. And and she she really does appreciate all the people in her life and... and uh, the people that are worried or concerned about her, but as you said, you know, uh, she's kind of uh, just set on this one direction, and she's just going to keep going that way. So, unfortunately, sort of after these conversations that she has, um, she gets abducted by um, by Wesley after Wesley gets a call from Fisk's mother, and he kind of right. he kind of leaves unannounced and tells. All of the uh, other bodyguards and people that are working for Fist that he doesn't want any accompaniment. Right. He he very specifically leaves uh, all on his own in order to go and tend to the situation. Mm-hmm. So he wants to go and find Karen, and uh, you're kind of unsure because in, in the actual episode, there's a scene where uh, Ben is going, you know, going somewhere, and then there's a scene where Karen is going somewhere. You're not sure which of them Wesley's going after. Um, so, you know, he does kidnap Karen. It's sort of the easier target, I suppose. Um, and it, that was a very interesting end to the show. And I think the, the way it, the way it went was the way that everyone was sort of rooting for it to go. Right. Were you rooting for her to take out Wesley? Well, it's an interesting, it's a long sequence actually, which makes me believe that there's more to it here. Well, sure. Um, so Wesley talks to Karen for a long time about Fist's mother um, she says, if you're going to kill me, just do it. After he lays out a gun on the table, pointing at her, uh, says, I'm sick of listening to your bullshit. Um, he says, I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to offer you a job. At that point, Wesley wants Karen to talk to all of her friends and coworkers and tell them that Fisk is actually a good guy and she has it wrong. Um, right. He wants to employ her uh, and the, you know... The bonus, like the money he's going to pay her in, are the lives of her friends and family. Right. He lists off a bunch of her friends and family. We're going to kill all of them first before we ever touch you. Um, And all you have to do to prevent that is to basically be a Fisk evangelist. 
So she's able to take a little moment of distraction, which I, I think is Fisk calling Wesley yeah. to grab the gun. And of course, uh, Wesley did not have that first chamber loaded. But what I didn't think would happen is that he had the rest of them loaded. Now, it makes sense, though, for Wesley because he's always that guy that thinks one step ahead. And right. uh, it, it seems like if it was just a regular person and, and they were going to try to shoot him, even if that situation was going to happen, which I don't think he was intending it to, uh, they would pull the trigger, find that it wasn't loaded, and then throw the gun down because and it was loaded. And be like, oh, loaded. crap, yeah. And, uh, but she cocks the gun. like She knows what she's doing. She does, and she's done it before. And she says, do you think this she is the first time... She says that she's done it before. Do you think this is the first time that I've shot someone? Uh, and based on their conversation and the sincerity and level in which they are talking... Uh, I tend to believe that there is something going on with Karen that we'll find out later about um, in her past where she has fended for herself before, you know, and it seems to happen a lot in this particular show. Yeah, I definitely think that we're going to learn some more about her past. Maybe not this next episode, but, you know, in the future, uh, there's going to be some skeletons in her closet. Maybe she is telling the truth when she talks about having shot someone before. She clearly, you know knew how to handle the gun well when you see her shoot it uh you know the the chamber recoil etc it doesn't knock her back she knows how to shoot it she has proper form she shoots him six times she doesn't shoot him once and freak out she emptied you know not emptied it but she made sure he was dead and she shot most of the bullets if not all of them into his chest and he is dead so goodbye wesley and i actually like that character so that's kind of sad for me but i i like bad guys you know and and uh wesley was a really cool like analytical uh like master of logistics kind of good socially yeah i had always hoped that he was secretly a little more of a badass in terms of like the physical side like maybe he was also like the specialist assassin or no, something crazy no. like he that. No, he was he was just the master of logistics and yeah, because he really you know he got killed in a stupid way. Yeah, but he's always had he's for al- him. He always I, has I people around him. The way him. that the story went, uh, it, it's kind of like he tried to take things in his own hands and he underestimated Karen. Yes, because um, and. Uh, you know, you got to think back to the last time that someone interrupted Fisk and Vanessa to tell him bad news. You know, that was Anatoly, and he got his head smashed in a car door. Yeah, well, he knows that Fisk would be happier if he would just deal with the things as opposed to him right. interrupting him in, in this time uh, of need for Vanessa. No, maybe he could have gone about it in a, in a better manner. He could have brought Fisk someone with of, him or something. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I mean, these guys, Wesley and Fisk, have a great, a very deep relationship with each other that is much more than just like, uh, we're bad guys taking over the world. You know, Fisk... Uh, no, they were friends. And they, he was exactly. pretty much the only friend he had. Both of them, it would seem. Well, in, in this show, Fisk risks losing all of his friends. I mean, the, the only other friend he could possibly have would be... Owsley, but that's not his friend. That's just sort of his uh, money keeper and, you know... His uh, accountant. Yeah, it has... Accountant. He's not a trusted ally. Uh, I mean... He's not a confidant. Yeah. Uh, So, Wesley knows that Ben was there as well, which doesn't bode well for him in the short term. Uh, So, we know that Wesley was able to find out that Ben and 
her were both there. So that makes sense that um, that Fisk, Fisk would be able to would find, be able to find it out as well. Right. Um, so let me move quickly throughout the rest of the episode. Uh, Foggy and Karen's relationship, kind of uh, struggling a little bit here. Uh, they're not really speaking. Uh, Foggy wants to talk to Karen about what he found out about Matt, but he's still keeping his mouth shut. So he just says it's personal. They do a lot of drinking. Um, well, she brings it up an interesting point. She's like, don't say that it's complicated. And he's like, it's personal. And that's that's what makes her shut up. Yeah, And he's right. It is, it's a very deep personal thing to know that you know your friend had been lying to you essentially the entire time that you'd known him. Uh, Matt and the priest, who meet up occasionally throughout this series because Matt has this complicated emotional and spiritual involvement with the Catholic Church, and more specifically, maybe even just this particular priest, because this priest seems to have a good head on his shoulders, seems to know what's going on. I mean, he basically admits he to knowing... He comes off as a very likable guy for a priest. <laughs> the, the, the new hotness is uh, Catholics that are likable. The Pope started that. <laughs> just because people are religious doesn't make them unlikable. I mean, I know, I, but it, traditionally in these sort of roles, you would get a very one-sided person who is either going to be spouting one thing or is just going to be a dislikable character. You know, this uh, you know this guy is actually a well-rounded character with the a little bit that we see. We know that he really likes lattes. We know that he. Uh, you're surprised at the character development of the priest. I well, I shouldn't say that. I'm just saying because that you they think did a priest a good job. is like a like a piece in a monopoly board that has a cross on it. Often in shows like this, they'll take that and use it as a crutch instead of using it as a well developed mentor. So the priest basically admits to knowing that Matt is the masked man, right? Um, and he brings in the actual title of the episode, saying that devils were created as a warning to us to tread the path of the righteous. Um, and Matt kind of takes that personally, and, and you can see him take it in and say, well, maybe that's what I need to be is a warning to everyone to, to walk the straight and narrow or else, you know? Yeah, I don't think that that's what the priest was trying to say, but that's how Matt interpreted it. Uh, so uh, one of the coolest parts about the episode is that Matt was trying to figure out more about Fisk's body armor. He's going to have to find a way past it, and he kind of wants some himself. So he he's kind of uh, he's looking for someone who can give him a way in. He finds a particular guy that he's able to interrogate very violently, um, which it seems like as Matt, is tradition. Matt is skewing in a very violent manner right now um, to to find out where that body armor comes from, and he ends up finding this guy Melvin Melvin Potter who owns this just little uh, this little workshop space where he's manufacturing suits that are lined with body armor for Fisk. And this guy comes off as this great, huge, hulking uh, behemoth, uh, but he's not very intelligent. He's not very smart, um, at least not you know, well-spoken. And, right. and he keeps telling him, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be here. Right. Um, he's being made to work for Fisk. Yeah, he uh, doesn't want trouble. And Daredevil finds that out uh, because he fights him. And it's a cool fight because this guy's huge, and he really, uh, you know, puts a beating on Matt like usual. He throws circular saws at him. Yeah. Um. So you know, heck, I would love if this guy ends up being like some kind of ally because he's kind of a badass. Um. And let's be honest, he's not very smart. So all you really have to do is be like, "I'll give you candy bars, and and Betsy will be okay." 
And then I, now you're on my side. I mean, he's, you know, it, it's not quite that simple, but you know. <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, all, all Fisk had to do was, I don't even know who Betsy is, but all he had to do was take Betsy and be like, I will kill Betsy unless you make me body armor. And he was like, okay, make body armor. Right. Betsy is someone <laughs> special to this guy, his girlfriend or wife or mother or sister, who knows. Even not. I mean, he, he ultimately just said that Betsy was someone who made him feel good when, he, when, when she talked to Betsy him. Betsy could just be someone who was nice to him once. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Melvin is being made to work for Fisk. He's afraid that if he doesn't do what Fisk says, then Betsy will be hurt. And uh, Matt talks Melvin into making him something, a symbol, which I think refers to the, the devil conversation he had with the priest earlier, uh, with the armor that he works with. And I think we're going to get like the Daredevil costume in the season finale. Like That'll the be costume excellent. where he finally won't get beat to shit all the time because he'll have body armor on. Yeah, I mean, they really need to keep him from dying. Well, at this point, <laughs> he's going to die in like the next couple episodes if... He doesn't do Well, he keeps going else. out and, like, he already has injuries. He's, like, you know, it's weird. Like, he's limping around one minute and then he's doing parkour across the roofs of New York City the next. Yeah. Uh, so, episode 12, The Ones We Leave Behind, that is what brings us here. Um, do you have any particular uh, place you want to start? Um, well, you know, one of the things that uh, the show has done a really good job at you know, getting across uh, is the fact that Karen and Foggy and Matt are not talking to each other now. Uh, Karen will talk to, you know, them uh, one-on-one a little bit, but even, you know, she is starting to get a little cold-shouldered from them. And after having killed uh, Wesley, she, you know, she doesn't want to tell them about it. And you can't blame her. And they all know who Wesley was. Wesley was sitting in their office and he was offering them a deal to defend that guy like way earlier in this in the season. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a very complicated um, thing, but you know um, it is interesting. At the beginning of the show, you see her trying to figure out how to cope with what she's just done. So it makes me think that if she does have skeletons in her closet, they're not as bad as the one she has now. So she says. I'm starting to feel like I made a mistake uh, about going to Nelson uh, and Murdoch. Right. And uh, but but she has decided not to leave. She's kind of planted her feet. Uh, and and later on, you know, she says, "Matt, is this what we are now? Three people that don't even talk to each other." And that's what you've been saying. Right. You know. So now Matt kind of breaks down in Karen's arms. Uh, and, and says that he can't go by himself. You know, he yeah, Matt can't be sick. He he can't be. He is more emotional than that. He's more needy than that. Like he is an actual person. He's not some uh, he's not some robot or the emotional like uh, you right. know uh, tiles were just broken off of it. And I don't think that this is necessarily a weakness in Matt. Uh, you know, well, it, of course it's a weakness in some sense, but uh, it can be considered a benefit. Always in another. a strength, but yes. Uh, you know, the empathy he has is what's keeping him human. It's the only thing that's separating him from a guy like Fisk. He keeps showing all these things that they have in common. You know, it's one of the only things that he has. Because Fisk, when he's when, when Vanessa finally wakes up, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but, uh, you know, when he's talking about how he's going to make the people who did this to her suffer, he is grinning and almost cackling. And you can tell that he's like getting excited at the thought of hurting them. Well, let me just make one point. I mean, you're not you're not skipping ahead on anything because we have no linear time in this discussion. 
So, yeah. In fact, time is an illusion. You're skipping behind. Lunchtime, doubly so. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. All that matters when we talk about, I think, in my opinion, when we talk about a series like this, is that we talk about um, the emotions and character development from all of the angles. Um, because if a show is done well and done right, then you're going to be able to, one, infer stuff that's going to happen in the future by the things that have happened in the past, and two, be able to see the relationship curve of everyone. Sure, absolutely. I you mean, it's... it's Just draw a gigantic interweaving map. Yeah, so why, everybody. why am I here, Vanessa says, right? Right. Um, and then he has to tell her that that he's made plans to ship her out of the country. Right. You know, he's like, you're here because someone wanted to get at me. Uh, someone tried to kill me and they got to you instead. You know, like you were, uh, you know, it wasn't even that somebody was trying to get you uh, to get me to do something. You were just, uh, um, what do they call it? Collateral damage. Yeah. So is the way he looks at it. So she says, find whoever did this to us and, and, uh, and make them understand. Right. When he's telling her, like, how much he's going to make them suffer. So, I mean, you know, she is an enabler, <laughs> you know, totally. But it's not like she even views any of what he does as anything wrong. So, you know, she is a perfect match for him when you think about it. You know, it, it makes sense that uh, Fisk would be so broken up over almost losing her. Well... We've already seen in the past episodes, she's the only one that he's ever really told everything to. She's the only person that he's, he's ever... He's still lied to her, though. That he's ever shared everything with, and, and you know... He still told him, her that his mother died. And, you know, like, Wesley knew that his mother was alive. Uh, maybe he did. I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about that. Wesley totally did, because he said, no, no, my no, mother I know, called. I, I know Wesley did. I, when... Uh, in, in the episode where Fisk is, uh, the, the Fisk flashback episode, right after he kills uh, his father, it flashes back to the present, and it's like sort of shown as him telling the rest of the story. And he's like, and then I went to live on a farm, and my mother died a year later. I see. So it's, it's, it's metaphorical, but it's a lie. Right, and that's the only lie I can see that he actually did tell her. But that's the lie that he tells everyone. Yeah, he doesn't want a one of them. He doesn't want anyone to know all that stuff. Yeah, they, he doesn't want people to know his weaknesses. But it is interesting that he uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't tell her about it because everything else was a truth. Uh, anyway, so Fisk finds out that Wesley was shot after his people located the body in the warehouse, and he beats one of his own men just for following Wesley's orders to not follow him. Right. And, Just out of frustration. And they're all beginning to blame the Japanese for the problems they're coming up against, uh, which is great for some people and, and not so good for others. Not so good for the Japanese if they didn't do it. Fisk finds Wils or uh, Wesley's cell phone and realizes the last call he made, uh, the one that made him leave all of a sudden and die, uh, was to Fisk's mother. So right. that's the first time that we realize, that he realizes, because we knew all along, um, well, I guess we didn't technically. Well, he doesn't learn. No, we, we saw he it. has to talk to his mother first, until before he like knows why he yeah, had to that's call. That's fine, but, but, but yeah, they're always going to find out. Right. This is just a couple scenes of like finding out. Yeah. You know, uh, you can't just have right. You can't just go from. You need to 
Yeah, you have to build up to complete so the steps. He the he way. he gets his mom. He packs her up, sends her somewhere else, and and asks her on the way, uh, which is difficult because every time you ask her something, she only has about a fifteen second window before she reverts back to it's a nice day. Um, regardless, Fisk is able to find out who came to visit, and then he uh, sets out on a on a path to uh, to visit him. Right. And, you know, he finds out about Ben. I'm not sure why. I don't remember why he knew it was Ben instead of Karen. Um, but well, you, you remember, I mean, they're all mixed up anyway. Like, uh, they've all sort of talked to each other and, and, and Ben, you know. Well, he knew that Ben wrote the Union yeah. Allied article. And they know that he was friends with Karen. Yeah. I mean, all these things just connect each other. They do. Uh, so, I guess we assume it's one of those things where... You assume what happens off the screen is is the connecting of the dots, um, and it's generally going to be right. Sometimes it's wrong. They they do have very deliberate uh, misleading things going on throughout the episode. Like he thinks that the Japanese must have killed Wesley, um, and they are like, well, maybe it was the man in the mask who was the one who did the poison. And we actually find out at the end of the episode who the poisoners were. Yeah, but Fisk still doesn't know. Correct. At the end of the episode, that it wasn't the Japanese. Correct. He doesn't actually know that it's Ben, and he wouldn't think it was Ben either. It wasn't he wouldn't even... think it was Karen either. Uh, well, right, because they were just kicking around possibilities at that point. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, maybe, you know, who the hell? Well, they wouldn't have thought it was Ben and Karen who poisoned them. So Matt, uh, Matt visits Ben. Ben finds out that, um, or already knew beforehand that there were drug traffickers that were blind. They were Chinese. They were in a specific part of the area. So Matt wants to go follow them around to see where the money that funnels into Fisk is coming from. Yeah. So he follows the car. Pretty cool scene. Playing classical music. Goes all over the rooftops of the city. Uh, finds the building where the blind man was headed to. Finds the blind drug packing enterprise <laughs> that Madame Gao is heading up. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting parts of the episode uh, you know, after he's being surrounded by these these blind people and, and trying to be captured and held down, um, uh, he breaks free and eventually gets into kind of a confrontation with Madame Gao. And uh, he says, all those people, you took their eyes. And she says, no, they blinded themselves. Right. I, I would imagine that they were all... <laughs> it reminds me of something we talked about in the last podcast we just did, but they all were given a choice. And they chose to do it for whatever reason. They needed a job. They wanted to move to America. Well, I, I would rather be blind in living in doing this than, you know, have my sight in doing what I was doing before. Um, so he gets out of there, but unfortunately, like she knocks him out, and she is obviously possessed with some kind of strength that is. I knew it. Not normal. I I said it a few episodes ago when uh she made a weird comment like uh all languages are my. Net, are my natural she's tongue. made several uh comments like that right and, so and uh there's and, a lot more to her than we know yeah uh, and we'll get to that at the very end here um but basically i mean he he gets out of there and he's he's basically has nothing he's he's done this for no real reason other than to find out that madame gao is is a crazy woman well he burned down the the operation he stopped her heroin distribution yeah, he did what he wanted to and and generally does end up accomplishing the goal 
but he didn't actually find out anything. The thing that yeah, the thing that he learns is that accomplishing his goal, what he thought would do something, really ends up doing nothing. Well, whether or not Matt Murdock knows it, what he does is he advances the plot by one episode at a time. <laughs> He's very good at doing How that. convenient. <laughs> uh, Foggy talks to Marcy, actually allows her to see all the information that Matt had given them. Um, and it seems like something that wouldn't be a good thing, but... Oh, I thought it was a terrible idea. But Marcy, having been like such an old, you know, love interest, and actually representing Fisk, and Fisk already knows all this information, and he kind of knows that um, that like this law group is after him already. And Foggy probably assumes that this is all stuff that Fisk wouldn't want to tell his lawyers. Or at least stuff that Marcy wouldn't be privy to. Well, no, because, yeah, and, and if Marcy was to tell him that, you know, uh, or have a conversation with him about him killing his father, like, she's not going to be very kind about that. Marcy isn't going to be around long if she does that. So she's not going to tell him. She's kind of been put in this position now by Foggy, uh, which isn't a great... It's a little unfair of yeah. Foggy to do that. But Foggy's not thinking straight. No, well, Foggy doesn't think he He's really a little has an foggy. ally in, in uh, Matt anymore. So he he wants he goes to his other ally, his closest other friend, to become his confidant because that's his closest other friend. Uh, it's not Karen. She's too okay. New. I I saw it a different way. I saw him as uh, in a time of crisis, running towards old sort of bad relationships and bad habits. Well, it's not necessarily bad. Well, she, you know. The fact that he didn't want to be around her uh, when they first visited her—it's because she represents the 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 law of of, of like the side that they didn't want to get. Yeah, into. exactly. But yeah. she's still like a confidant and a very good personal Clearly. relationship. And you know, kind of like the priest, they have developed her into at least more of a character than you know a buxom blonde who works at a law firm. Yeah, so she could help them or hurt them. We're not really sure, but. I think we're leaning towards uh, help or not hurt, just because of the fact that she probably wouldn't give that information willingly or let it be known that she found it out, because then she would be in trouble. Maybe, well, you know, it is sort of comic booky, so I could always see like more cheesy things coming to bear, um, but it's so real. Like what I was thinking is maybe, you know, she decides that uh, she's gonna just go work with Matt and Foggy instead of working at the big law firm and like takes the case to heart and wants to do something about it well any of that could happen i mean then you've got a weird situation between foggy karen and marcy but you know weirder things have happened <laughs> so uh why don't you uh talk about foggy hitting out of his league not close karen us out here but but uh close out the chapter on ben oh uh, well you know um Ben winds up going back to the office and he 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 can't tell Karen no and almost to a certain extent he can't not uh, he can't resist from putting the story in his editor's face and saying you have to do something about this this is what's going on and the editor uh, is so you know against it that Ben basically accuses him uh, in front of in this entire conversation goes on in front of the whole office but he just accuses him of taking money from Fisk and, you know, being the guy on the payroll. And at, at first I thought, oh, well, clearly it's him. But really, I mean, this all went down in front of everybody. Anybody could have been on the payroll. Uh, you know, Ben, at the very beginning, had a very good point that this story had no legs. He had no proof. He had no evidence. 
he couldn't actually run this in a proper newspaper. It had to be printed in a blog or some crap like that. So Ben gets fired and he decides, well, screw it. I will go print that blog. And he gets back and kind of like uh, at the very beginning of the episode when you see uh, Karen wakes up and uh, uh, Fisk is in her house, but it turns out to be a dream. This one's real. Ben gets home. He starts working on his computer and Fisk is sitting behind him in the shadows. So Fisk kind of interviews him, uh, gets all the information that he wants out of him, and then he's just like, well, you know what? I didn't come here to threaten you, buddy. I was, you know, all along I was going to kill you. Surprise! Mm -hmm. And he just chokes him to death. Because Fisk is a hands-on kind of manager. He wants to make sure he gets things done himself. Yeah, so so Ben is gone, and uh, it's funny. Um, during that scene, I think everyone is kind of looking around, hoping that like someone jumps in through the window or shoots Fisk in the head or does something to prevent this from happening because he's one of those characters that really has done nothing wrong the whole time and has only held up his uh, own self-righteous uh, and good beliefs. And so it's someone that you want to maintain the course. Because if this person dies, then so do those beliefs, and and maybe so you know so does that viewpoint. Um, so when when you kill someone like this, then I don't think an idea necessarily. I, I think the almost the point of this is that it's going to be that the idea won't die with Ben. No, no, of course, of course. But the initial emotion when you kill a character that stands up for all of this stuff that's good and doesn't actually present <laughs> anything that's bad, it, it means that that you're reinforcing the the ultimate negativity of whatever force acted upon him negatively. In this case, that's Wilson Fisk. It means that, that Wilson Fisk... It just Fisk, shows how evil Fisk is. Right, and because you have, you have several episodes at a time that sometimes uh, go across without him murdering someone in cold blood. <laughs> and then you... you, you you can forget. We need know. him to murder people in order to be reminded. Well, you can it. forget that you know because he has he has a good vocabulary. He's able to speak well. He he loves Vanessa. Yeah, I totally. He has see a relationship it. with Owsley. So if he didn't kill someone every three episodes, then you might start to like the guy. Well, he they just did spend basically two episodes of him, you know, mourning the loss, uh, mourning the almost loss of his girlfriend, and then the loss of his closest friend. Yeah, the point is to keep... And then you feel bad for him almost. Alternately feeling good and bad for him. Right, and then... But he's a character, you know, he's a very uh Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And this, he doesn't think he's evil. This scene is the one that, that, like, makes it known, no matter what, no matter what you thought before... That he is an evil, bad, terrible person. Because he strangles Ben. And all Ben was doing was sitting there talking to him. And all he said was that he was just going to tell the truth. And it's not like he killed anybody. All he did was talk to his mother. Yeah. And this guy is obviously so psychotic. That being a politician in that he is. You know. Um, maybe not with a specific role. But you know, being uh, someone who is on the media... Uh, that everyone knows he's trying to build up the city, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. you, you can't not expect people to reach out to your relatives. Right. I mean, Fisk has a very if you're distorted gonna... view of the, you know, th there's a big gap between well, he what hid. he expects 
his privacy should be and what it will be. He hid with his new... and continues to hide his mom from everyone, right. even those closest to him, like Vanessa. Right. So when when Ben breaks that uh, and, and is able to get behind the curtain, you know, and see the little tiny Oz that killed his father with uh, with a hammer, then uh, then he knows exactly who Wilson Fisk is, and Wilson can't have anyone telling him that. It's yeah, you know, it's a trope that you see a lot in shows where. Uh, once the villain, the bad guy, has been exposed and someone has seen them at their weakest and seen uh, what their weaknesses are, you know, uh, everything is turned against them. So my favorite part of the episode is Owsley and Gao kind of talking to each other. They're working together, and obviously they both wanted to get Vanessa away from Fisk. We see this several times during the previous episodes. They keep telling him that she's bad for him. Well, because... For business. They think that it's going to affect the way that that this ends up. Like, he's not going to be able to go through with it all. Right. Or, like, she's going to be some kind of... um, you know, force in, in and of herself. At the very least, she's a distraction in their minds. And so they admit they did the poison drink thing. Uh, they're having trouble getting rid of her. Yeah, she's a real mule, says Owsley, which is a funny line. Um, and my favorite part of the whole episode, really, uh, you know, regardless of all of this drama, uh, is because I because I always want in these shows, I want like something that is more than just regular. Uh, action drama because i know it's it's ultimately stemming from a comic book and what i like about these new series um is that they don't immediately introduce the supernatural aspects but uh when Owsley asks where gao is going she says that i'll visit my homeland and reflect upon the future and when he presses her and says where is that you know is it china are you going to china Uh she says it's a considerable distance farther yeah (laughs) <laughs> and so that and the other line she says in the show lead me to believe that she uh, is something else. That she yes. is something more supernatural, that she's some alien or, or, or some superpower or something that doesn't exist just normally on the earth. Right. She's not from China. And that's awesome. <laughs> and I can't wait to like see further proof of that. And I feel like because they're leaving us like on such a bombshell like that, that this season finale will give us just a little bit more. Like a little bit more of an inkling of, of this universe and what yeah. it contains. Well, doesn't something happen to Matt at the very end? What do you mean? I, I forget. Does it, did he get taken? I forget what happens at the end with Matt. Because this episode wraps up like everything with so many of the other characters. And that's really cool. But now they're leaving it basically as a showdown. Between Matt and probably Fisk, I would assume at the end. Um, I, I'm not sure. You, you think Matt went somewhere? I, I don't exactly know what you. What you're I, I, I don't remember where. What the last thing that Matt did. That's all. Hmm. Well, but I, I suppose if I look it up, I'm just going to get spoiled. So I'll just watch the last episode because it's almost. Uh, we're almost clear to do that now. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, we're again, we're both super excited about uh, watching the season finale. We'll be back uh, the following week to to go ahead and tell you all about that. And like every single week, uh, just want to remind you that you can uh, check out our podcast if you're not listening live on Stitcher at Drink Five Network, iTunes at Drink Five Network, 
you can follow us on Facebook at Drink Five Network. You can like us uh, on uh, well wherever you want to. All the social media. You can like us on right? Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. <laughs> you can pin us on Instagram. I know you're a big Instagram. You can Snapchat guy, right? us on Pinterest. On Instagram, we'll have we'll have a bunch of pictures of microphones. Yes, we'll that's be like audio, audio with a beer next to it. Anyway, if you have any questions or comments or want us to do a specific show, we are going to be uh, doing another one pretty soon. Oh, that would be cool. So uh, feel yeah, free to suggest us a show. Feel free to hit us up at David TV Drink5 show or retrospective show. Jason at Drink Five and uh, drink5.com is our home, and that's where we post all of our articles. So please visit, and uh, we'll see you uh, every Tuesday around 9 o'clock Central Time. Uh, that's p.m., of course. Have a lovely evening. <laughs> <laughs>